the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, May the 4th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 4, 1970, Ohio National Guardsmen opened fire during an anti-war protest at Kent State University. They killed four students, wounded nine. Today is 1626, Dutch explorer Peter Minuet. He landed on present-day Manhattan Island. Today in 1916, responding to a demand from President Woodrow Wilson, Germany agreed to limit its submarine warfare. However, as these things always go, Germany resumed unrestricted submarine warfare within the year. Today in 1932, mobster Al Capone, he was convicted of income tax evasion. They tried to get him on some other other things. He was doing a lot of bad stuff, as we all know. We know the story, but um, they just couldn't quite legally get him on some of that, so they got him on income tax evasion. He was uh, sent to the federal penitentiary in Atlanta, but then they sent him to Alcatraz. Today, 1945, during World War II, German forces in the Netherlands, Denmark, and the Northwest Germany, they agreed to surrender. Today, in 1961, the first group of Freedom Riders, they left Washington to challenge racial segregation on interstate buses and in bus terminals. And today, in 1998, the Unabomber, remember him, Ted Kaczynski? He was given four life sentences plus 30 years by a federal judge in Sacramento, California. He had uh, agreed to a plea agreement that spared him the death penalty. And today in 2006, a federal judge sentenced Zacharias Massawi to life in prison for his role in the 9-11 attacks. And as the judge sentenced him, the judge said, quote, You will die with a whimper. One year ago today, maximum security became the first Kentucky Derby, uh, Kentucky Derby winner ever to be disqualified for interference. The decision by the stewards at Churchill Downs made a 65-1 to 1 long shot horse, country house, the official winner. I don't know if you have an interest in horse racing or not. I do, but I don't gamble. I, I just don't. And I, I know that's what it's about. But I just like to see the horses. They're beautiful animals. I mean, they're just gorgeous. And I like to see them run, and I just like to watch them personally. But uh, somebody made a lot of money on that last year. Interestingly enough, one year later, Churchill Downs wouldn't be making any decisions except if they might have the Kentucky Derby sometime this year. I saw them on the news talking about the possibility of having the horses run in September of this year, if possible. It's interesting. We live in troubling, changing, dynamic times. In fact, the Seattle Times has an article this morning that starts with this. The pandemic is leaving a trail of depression and anxiety. It is. 
They also had a story, and I've noticed I noticed it yesterday in the news. Speaking of depression and things happening, there's a story. It was in the Times this morning, but it was on other news sources yesterday as well. Asian giant hornets have reached America, Washington State, and they can wipe out a honeybee hive in a matter of hours. They decapitate the bees. That are, and they fly away with the thoraxes to feed their young. These bees are coming from, can I say it out loud, Japan? I mean, I know that's probably not politically correct, but that's where they're coming from. I, I'm, su- I'm sure they'll soon get a name that isn't attached to Japan. It'll be the, the from nowhere bees. But somebody said on a news report I saw on television last night, they're like two inches long. Now, I, they may have overstated that. I, I've grown up... Real, around a lot of bees. I grew up in the Yakima Valley, as some of you know, and probably most of you don't care, but I grew up in orchards, and we had a lot of bees around. They pollinate. They see that the fruit gets, you know, birthed, and um, they're very important. I've never seen a bee two inches long, but these have come, and they're in Whatcom County. They're taking a look at this. The beekeepers up there have are placing traps, trying to trap them. And, and uh, it's, I think it's the first place in the United States, in America, on the continent, that they've appeared. But they're here, and they're from Japan, as I said. And they kill, in Japan, they kill up to 50 people per year. These bees, I mean, they're, I mean, two inches long. Oh. Anyway, it never ends. It just seems like there's one thing and then another. There's Wuhan virus from China, and now we've got two-inch bees from, anyway... Thank you for your support of this ministry. I got this over the weekend. This person made an online contribution, and more and more of you are doing that. We're not recommending it, if, but we want you to know it's available. I mean, whatever you want to do, we just thank you for standing with us. But more and more people, there's a place on our website, faithandfreedom.us. You go there, there's a donate tab there. You can click it and go on and, and do your... Uh, do your donation. We we appreciate however it gets here because we, we need it. But this person sent along a note, a message with this uh, donation. Uh, he said, Hi, Gary. First, let me tell you, I'm a huge Rush and Dennis Prager fan. Well, when I get a letter from somebody who the first thing they say is, Hi, Gary. First, let me tell you how, how I like these other people. I happen to know what time those other people are on the air. And that did cross my mind, but fortunately I read on. And let me share this with you. I got it. And if you're listening, um, the person who wrote this, it was a, a guy. If you're listening today, uh, thank you. Truly, thank you. And thank you for writing this. I, I found it was, it was encouraging and it was kind of funny. But um, anyway, hi, Gary. First, let me tell you I'm a huge Rush and Dennis Prager fan and listen to them almost daily. Both shows come on at 9 a.m. Well, I know that, I, knowing where the, the address and where this person lives. I know they both come on at 9 a.m. I know who else comes on at 9 a.m., yours truly. So anyway, he says, both shows come on at 9 a.m. where I live, and I switch back and forth between the two. But I always look forward to listening to you first. Keep up the important work you do, and may God bless you, your family, and the wonderful listeners out there. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thanks for the note. I'm honored. And thank you to all of you who stand with us. We need 
your support. It's very, very important, especially right now. These are turbulent times. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I noticed several articles on Friday and then over the weekend. I was doing a little studying, a little looking with today's program in mind. Progressives are not about to let this Chinese virus crisis go to waste. Every crisis equals opportunity. An opportunity to advance a secular progressive agenda. And sometimes that's more important, it is, to these progressives than America. And even their fellow citizens. They don't say that, but their actions prove that that's how they feel. Nancy Pelosi is advocating on MSNBC over the weekend for a universal basic income for all Americans. In other words, the government writes you a check every month or every two weeks or whatever. Pope Francis is saying the same thing. I know there's Catholics listening to this program, but just stand with me here for a moment. Don't turn off your radio. Pope Francis was advocating that on Easter Sunday weekend in writing as well as in his spoken word. It's well known that one of the fundamental progressive principles for advancing ideology is never let a crisis go to waste. We've heard that, and they used to say that in private. Now they say it publicly. Hillary Clinton told the press that the other day. She was probably just seeking attention, but she did say that, and they believe it. Pelosi and Pope are on the same page, at least regarding this. I know they're not on the same page regarding abortion, but they are in regards to this. What she said on MSNBC, I'll quote, she said, let's see what works. They asked her, what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this massive crisis that we have in America? She said, well, let's see what works. What's operational? What needs attention? Then she added, I'm quoting her, others have suggested, (laughs) others have suggested a minimum income, a guaranteed income for people. Is that worthy of attention now? Perhaps so, because there are many more people that just in small businesses that may need some assistance as well. Well, the Heritage Foundation, their daily signal, it's an arm of the Heritage Foundation, they said the idea of a universal income, or a UBI as it's called now, has been around for decades and most recently was touted this year by then-Democrat presidential candidate Andrew Wang. Remember him? He was That was his main thing. Like Inslee's main thing was climate crisis. Well, Wang, uh, or Yang's thing, he's a tech guy, uh, been very successful. His main thing was calling for universal paycheck for everybody in America, all the time, every month. On Easter Sunday, the Pope resurrected that idea of a universal basic income. He acknowledged that for many workers, the COVID-19 pandemic lockdowns are making it very difficult, if not impossible, for people to earn money. In fact, he feels so strongly about it, he wrote a letter. I wrote an article about this today at faithandfreedom.us, and there's a link to the letter. You can read it for yourself. He sent it to the World Meeting of Popular Movements. It was published on Easter Sunday by the Vatican. The Pope said in his letter, this is just a snippet of it, but you can read the whole thing if you want to go to our website. The Pope said in his letter, many of you live from day to day without any type of legal guarantee to protect you. Street vendors, recyclers, carnies, small farmers, construction workers, dressmakers, different kinds of caregivers, you who are informal, working on your own, or in a grassroots economy, 
You have no steady income to get you through this hard time, and the lockdowns are becoming unbearable. Well, the Pope is making reference to this general global conversation of universal basic income, UBI. That gives regular cash payments with no requirements or minimal requirements for receiving the money. It's You're getting the money because the government loves you. As unemployment spikes as a result of America and the world being shut down, more and more people are joining this conversation. The Pope and Pelosi probably have different motives, but they're on the same page on this issue. They're both pushing a destructive socialistic proposal that will end up in the same place. The Pope says he hopes that, quote, that this time of danger will free us from operating an automatic pilot on automatic pilot, shake our sleepy consciences and allow a humanist and ecological conversion that puts an end to the idolatry of money. He says our civilization, so competitive, so individualistic with its frenetic rhythms of production and consumption, its extravagant luxuries, its disproportionate profits for just a few, needs to downshift, take stock, and renew itself. Last month, Spain came out and announced that they had already approved such a thing for Spaniards. They will be rolling out, they said soon, within weeks, a universal basic income for everybody that lives in Spain. Spain's Minister of Economic Affairs said Spain, it's Europe's fourth largest economy. They've had their problems, as we all know, financially. But he said, this guy, we will roll out our UBI as soon as possible, and it will be a nationwide permanent instrument that supports citizens forever. That's what he said. Let me quote him one more time before I move on. He said he's the Minister of Economic Affairs for the country, Spain. He said it will be a, quote, nationwide permanent instrument that supports citizens forever. Well, that's pretty appealing if you want to get a paycheck forever and not do anything. But a nation that's already drowning in red ink simply can't afford to do that. There is not... There's not an honest economist that says it'll work. It just doesn't work. It never has worked. Because it doubles basically whatever the size of the country is, it basically doubles their annual budget permanently. And if they're not making it now, I'm not very smart, but it seems to me they won't make it later. Because they don't have incentives to grow their national production. The Pope may be speaking merely from his personal beliefs regarding social justice, but Pelosi seeks power, not social justice, even though both are saying essentially the same thing. History warns us against these kinds of things. Let me quote, not a politician, but a businessman. A businessman. He said this some years ago, not that long ago, but a while ago. Alexander Fraser Teitler. Other people have been credited with this quote. You probably have heard parts of this before. But I've done a lot of research on it. I'm convinced that it was Alexander Fraser Teitler that actually said this, and he was a businessman. He was giving a talk to other business owners when he said this. A democracy, quote, this is a quote, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover they can vote themselves largesse 
from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, always followed by a dictatorship. The average age, he says, of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. These nations have progressed through this sequence, from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from dependence back to bondage. I'm pretty sure that the so-called progressive left in our country cannot push this kind of a system onto our country right now. There is no question that President Trump stands against it. He said, as long as I am president, we will never become a socialist nation. I believe, personally, I believe he believes that with all of his heart and means it. I personally support the president and what he's doing. I think he's making the right new moves, but... We need to be very vigilant because there are those among us who could be and are in some cases in high offices, not the president, but in other high offices. And one of them could be after Trump serves out his next four-year term after being reelected this year. Some of them could become president. And there are those among us who really want this to become a policy. Pelosi is one of them, but there are many. There's Pelosi and Schumer, certainly Ocasio-Cortez. She's out there saying that every day of her life. Bernie Sanders' life, he doesn't live. He lives as a capitalist in luxury. But he advocates for dependence upon the state. Who knows if he'll run again. He's getting too old to run, but he did this time, and he probably could have beat Biden if the Democratic Party would have gotten behind him. They don't want him to be their candidate, but... Boy, a lot of people are behind him in America. Elizabeth Warren, you know the names. All of these people are intent among, among many of their agenda items. One of them is to get the country dependent upon the state. So that's where we are today in America. No wonder people are filled with anxiety. No wonder we are struggling today with the issues, the results. As the Times says this morning, There's a trail of anxiety and depression today. Because if you look at where we are in our world, and there's this sense that you you think we got to open the country, we got to get back in business, people have to have jobs, there has to be money flowing. I mean, that's true from from the villages of, of the first century of this earth to now. There has to be an exchange of goods some way for people to survive. I mean, we don't have to have a degree in economics to understand that. All of us have that sense. And things are not good. Let me speak to you, not from the political aspect of it, but from a scriptural aspect of it. Let me leave a couple of thoughts with you today, particularly if you're struggling with anxiety or kind of confusion and you're just not dealing with what's going on very well. During his reign over Judah, King Asa, he was confronted by two crises. Both of them are outlined at some length in the Bible. Both of these crises tested his dependence upon God, not on the state, on God. In his first instance, he relied on the Lord. The Bible says, 
the Lord delivered him and his kingdom from being destroyed by a huge host. That's God's word. In the second instance, he turned to the king of Syria. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7 through 9. Second Chronicles. Why would he do this? Had he not learned anything from the first victory? It's possible that in the second campaign, the thought of relying on God didn't even occur to Asus. I don't think he was rebelling against God. It, he just was caught up in the moment. He said, yeah, I've been through this. I can do this. The challenge was not as great as the previous occasion. And besides, there was enough gold. I'm quoting from, peril, I'm paraphrasing from Second Chronicles chapter 16. There was enough gold in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house to lure Syria into a treaty and provide him protection. Also, when all was said and done, his strategy worked. As It worked as long as Asa had the resources and the cleverness to, mag- to manage the situation on his own. I mean, maybe in our faux humility, I mean, we think we're humble. We say, well, I don't want to bother God with this. This is too small. I mean, God is big. God is the God of the universe. And he is. He created all things. And my little need here is so small, I don't want to bother God. I can do this. I'll call on God when I need him. Maybe that was his attitude. I kind of think it was, honestly. But what Asa missed, however, is that God's desire and his will was that Judah trust him. God wants to involve himself in every aspect of our life. He did not covenant with them to be present only in emergencies, but to dwell with them, to be their God, for them to be his people. God desires that we should live in a real, moment-by-moment, total dependence upon him, whether we're in good times or bad times. And I think that's one of the points that God is making through this horrible pandemic. We all have the same tendencies as King Asa. We have the resources to meet the challenges in our life. Our first impulse is to to kind of rely on these resources. God is here. I love God. I serve God. But I don't need him in this. I've got this. But boy, I can see some big crisis coming up in the future. And I will certainly call on God. But that's not like rebellion. It's just an oversight on our part at best. Because God wants to be involved when we're being blessed And when we're going through difficult times, and the problem is that if we're not in the habit of living in the moment with God, when crisis comes, despair and anxiety attaches itself certainly to the people who are not followers of Jesus Christ and standing and living on the word of God, but sometimes to God's people. We have these same tendencies. If I'm able to resort to my checkbook, it may not even occur to me to acknowledge my dependency upon God. Yet I find warnings in Scripture that says, well, like the Psalm 62.10, If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Or in Matthew 6.21, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Israel entered the promised land. God warned the people that the greatest danger ahead would not be the adversity of their enemies, but the prosperity of their new circumstances. The particular challenge of living in these great and goodly cities, as the Bible says, which they built not, houses full of good things, which they filled not, drew water from wells, which they dug not, 
and ate from vineyards and olive trees, which they planted not. So, so that when they had eaten and were full, they forgot the Lord, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 and beyond. That's what we're looking at here today. Patrick Henry was a founder of America, homeschooled, a devout Christian, a prolific speaker. Among many things, he said, give me liberty or give me death. That's Patrick Henry. But he also said, when people forget God, tyrants forge their chains. And the reason he said that was that his mother taught him that in his homeschooling, because it's biblical. We will become servants to someone, because there's that in human nature that wants to align itself with something or someone. That's why all the religions of the world have been created by dead people. They're dead now. Christianity is the only it isn't even a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God through Jesus Christ. But it's the only religion that follows someone who is living today. And it is profoundly different than all the other religions and all this nonsense about, well, we all serve the same God. No, we don't. We serve the true and living God and all these other people serve gods made of wood and stone. And God wants that relationship with his people. And sometimes he allows crisis to come. Because he wants us above all things to be dependent, to be in a relationship with him. Jeremiah chapter 17 talks about the arm of flesh. There's two good reasons why we would do well to never forget our total dependence upon God. Not the state. I think this is good that they're writing some checks and helping people get going. But it concerns me of what I've said up to this moment in this, I won't repeat it, but people get real comfortable and become dependent on anything or anybody. They'll give them a free ride. That's human nature. Our day-to-day acknowledgement of our most basic human needs comes to us when we keep our eyes turned toward God. Psalm 145.15 Every negative emotion, such as fear and despair, results from not bringing everything to God. Philippians 4, 6 speaks to that. This is also how we lose awareness of God's continued presence. And secondly, we can be certain that a day will come when a challenge, a hardship, an ordeal will come that demands of us resources that we do not possess. And we are in such a time now. Psalm 49, 5-13 speaks to that very issue. If we have not learned God's faithfulness in normal affairs of life, we will not likely suddenly learn the calm assurance of faith in life's tests and trials. The prophet Zechariah, he received a vision from God. It was kind of a weird contraption that he saw in this vision. He he says in, in Zechariah 4.6, he speaks to this, but he saw beside the menorah lampstand that provided light to the temple, two olive trees, one on either side with pipes from the lamps that fed oil directly into the lamps. You probably read that. When he, when, when he asked about whether he understood the meaning of the vision, Zechariah said, No, my Lord. He was then told, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Well, I, I'll leave it right there. I, there's more I could say on that topic, but I'll leave it there. But 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim, not in denial, but in looking to the true source. I'll see you right here tomorrow.